0: People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts.
1: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The
0: Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. We are going to uh, preview the Tennessee matchup coming up this weekend. Have a great guest coming on here in just a little bit. Excited to share that interview with you guys. Before we do get going, though, I want to talk about our sponsors. And Indeed, you've heard me talk about them before, and we're going to continue to do so through the end of the year with the great opportunity that they have. You know, as 2020's reshaped our work year, especially for businesses and hiring practices, Indeed is the most efficient... And well sourced place to bring in a new hire to your company. They're the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to ComScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates and they help you find them quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full flexibility, control, and especially control over your payments that's important to you when you're looking to hire folks. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact those folks the minute you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed.com each day. Make sure you're taking advantage of this $75 credit opportunity to boost your job post and bring in more quality candidates make sure that those candidates see your opportunity fast again that's a free 75 dollar credit at indeed.com slash blue wire go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire all one word there b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e offer ends december 31st terms and conditions do apply so listen we're going to transition into what's going on with tennessee where the browns are ahead of this interesting game just a uh, little update on where these two stand all-time. The Browns are 35-32 leaders all-time in this series, and this dates back to the Houston Oilers days as well. Uh, the last three games have unfortunately gone to Tennessee. Um, 2016, they they I think they won by a couple touchdowns. 2017, during the Browns, over-16 season was a 12-9 Titans win. And then last year, we all remember the season opener, how ugly that got. The more, one of the more fun Browns wins was in 2014, the year that obviously – Last year, the Browns had a competent thing going when they won 29-28 in Tennessee early in the season where they scored 19 unanswered second-half points, came back for that win. Pretty fun game. Um, but, yeah, Cleveland leads in the series, but the Titans have won the last three. Let's talk about where the Titans are. They uh, have dealt with some some injury issues. Some some key players have gone on IR recently for them. Um, Jayon Brown was hurt not too long ago, their best linebacker. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, don't think he'll be back this week. He'll stay on IR, obviously, their best pass rush threat off the edge and Taylor Luan their best offensive lineman also on IR. Two of their rookies are on the COVID-19 list uh, designated to return. Christian Fulton has been on for a while the LSU corner uh, that they took I believe in the second round and then Darrington Evans uh, their running back they took in the third round uh, has been on that list too both of those are not there. Adoree Jackson appears to be trending toward out Um, guys that did not practice yesterday uh, Jeffrey Simmons did not practice. And then I believe their Roger Saffold also missed practice for them as well. So they are, they're dealing with injuries. I'm not sure if Saffold, I know Dory Jackson's trending toward being out. He's been out for most of the season. I'm not sure if Saffold will play. Um, I would guess Simmons and Saffold both find a way to play, but uh, we'll we'll keep a close eye on that injury report the rest of the way. Uh, I think it, I think it's going to, Largely impact how, how competent Tennessee is in some key positions. But, listen, they they find a way to win games. I mean, this team is 8-3. and three. We're going to talk to a, a, a great film source that covers them. They they are one of the more technically sound football teams in the league. They started 5-0, and 0, dealt with COVID issues, uh, lost to Pittsburgh, lost a weird game to Cincinnati, just a letdown game that they lost 31-20 uh, where their defense was pretty porous and their offense put up yards. But couldn't score when they needed to score in the red zone. So pretty strange. Uh, only other loss was a Tennessee law, or sorry, a, a loss to the Colts week 10, but they revenged that loss last week, winning 45-26, putting up a ton of points in Indianapolis. So they're feeling good. Well coached football team, uh, plenty of names that you know. Mike Vrabel, his Ohio connections, Arthur Smith, who took over last year's offensive coordinator, who is becoming a hot head coaching candidate name. So keep an eye on him. Um, they did lose Dean Pease. We'll talk again with, with Mike, our, our, our guest, about losing one of their better defensive-minded coaches. It looks like Mike Vrabel's doing a majority of the coaching on that side of the ball. But Ryan Tannehill's taken care of it, 2,600 yards on the year, 23 touchdowns, only four interceptions. That's the only uh, – I think they have one fumble loss. They have five total turnovers on the year, which is just remarkable. I think a 16-to-5 uh, ratio there. Wild uh, 65% completion percentage, taking care of the rock really well. Uh, completing a ton of passes, 217 for 334. Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things, 1,257 yards, 12 touchdowns, doing his obvious end of the year, uh, you know, build build up toward the end of the year and close strong. That's what he does, man. That's how he won the rushing title last year. Uh, they wrote him in the playoffs. It's going to be a continued theme for Tennessee this season. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly get a dose of him. Uh, it'll be the best run game test the Browns have had this year. They have only faced two top 10 rushers all year, so this will be the preeminent test, and I think the Browns' rush defense statistically is a little misleading. We saw James Robinson have his way last week. We'll see if getting Miles back will help this week. Should be able to see Sione Takitaki, who's one of the Browns' better run game defenders uh, off of the edge, and and that overfront linebacker stuff, he'll be back as well. He'll be important uh, for this week. Not a big pass-catching threat for Derrick Henry, only 14 catches for 93 yards. They want to get him more involved in the receiving aspect of the game, the same way the Browns do with Nick Chubb. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, we're going to try to sort this thing by rushing yards. We can't, no big deal. There, there are two wide receiver threats, uh, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, uh, both guys who were highly selected. Uh, I think Corey Davis was a first-round pick. A.J. Brown might have been a second-round pick. Let's check this thing out, if I can recall. Yeah, he's a second-round pick, 51st overall. Both great players. 613 or 619 for Corey Davis, 638 for AJ Brown. Both have only played in nine games this year. Eight touchdowns for AJ Brown. Uh, we know what a bully he is. A mini DK Metcalf. Those two played together in college at Ole Miss. Corey Davis, a nice speed threat. And uh, otherwise, they they love their tight ends. Johnny Smith. They like Anthony Furkser who's come on this year for them. Both of those guys have nice yardage numbers on the season. 338 for John In for seven touchdowns. Firkser has 282. Adam Humphreys is their slot guy when they go 11 personnel, uh, 22 catches, 219, two touchdowns. Uh, that's, that's the group, man. Really, really tough group. Defensively, not as good. They have, they're certainly their past defense struggling. Malcolm Butler's their, their leading defender on that side, which is a little bit scary for the 30 year old corner. Kenny Vaccaro has not played as well this year. Kevin Byard has had a letdown year. Um, the, the, I believe Harold Landry leads them in sacks with four and a half. Jeffrey Simmons has had three from the interior. They do not get a ton of pass rush. One of the bottom in the league in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. They're playing Amani Hooker a little bit more, a guy I really like coming out of uh, coming out of last year's draft out of Iowa. I think he's going to end up being a nice player for them and take over in some some key secondary role. But right now they really don't have an answer at corner uh, opposite opposite Malcolm Butler. So the Browns should have based on the data. Plenty of opportunities to throw the football and do so from a clean pocket. So it's going to be quite an interesting game. We're going to talk a little bit more detailed personnel uh, with our guest uh, coming up here in just a moment. But before we do get to our guest, I'm going to talk to you about our good friends at BetOnline. I've been using them frequently. I'll continue to do so with football back in full swing, kind of approaching you know, the important games of the year in the NFL and college, and they're going the extra mile at BetOnline to make sure you can get every possible chance to win. From game spread totals to team player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today still and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships. All of it is still available, all the futures. Head to BetOnline today, take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses, and don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag, that's BLUEWIRE. Uh, is your your key promo code there That's has online your online sportsbook experts so switching gears we're going to go over to our guest who i think is one of the better guests i've had on this year who covers this team very in-depth con- uh, content here. his name's mike herndon he's an analyst and editor over at broadwaysportsmedia.com does a great job for them he's at mike miracles on twitter again and uh, he's a film junkie he's got good content he's a very smart guy sharp guy this is a great interview one of my favorites again so let's get over to that interview now Mike, listen, man, it's new to me the Browns getting into these sort of primetime showdowns. You're a little bit more accustomed to this stuff. We're sitting at eight and three, both teams, right? It's 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 an interesting time for Cleveland. I'm interested in the Tennessee perspective. It's been a rocky road to get there. I think there's been some 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 bumps early in the season, some injuries that have occurred your way. I'm just curious, sort of, the state of of the Titans heading into this game and and how you're feeling about them kind of working into the back quarter of the schedule.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the Titans, obviously, they got off to the 5-0 and start, um, and in the midst of that was the COVID deal, the the breakout that happened here. Um, they had a, a few guys go out. Of course, they come off of that and immediately wax the Bills. I mean, the, the, that game and the one that they're coming off of right now, the, the uh, win against the Colts last week, those are really the two most complete performances that we've seen from this team this year. It's kind of funny that one came from – uh, you know, a team that hadn't practiced, but twice in a matter of, I think it was two and a half weeks. Um, so it was kind of a, a surprise performance in that game, but it's, it's been a little bit of a up and down season. You know, they, they lost the close one to the Steelers where the Steelers got way out in front of them. The Titans fought back, uh, ended up missing a field goal at the end that would have tied it. That really, I mean, that, that was a very makeable field goal. It wasn't a crazy distance or anything like that. So close game, close loss there worst performance of the year was probably the Bengals. They, they kind of laid an egg there in Cincinnati and then they turned around, uh, beat the bears uh, lost to the Colts in a big matchup uh, where that was a back and forth game until the Titan special teams, which has kind of been a, a little bit of an Achilles heel for them all year uh, really imploded. They had a 17 yard punt uh, that led to a Colts touchdown. And then the very next possession had a blocked punt, that was returned for a touchdown so it has a 14 point swing and really kind of put that one out of reach but the last two weeks they've responded well rebounded well uh you know they they've been pretty banged up uh injury wise of recent um in the in the last few games but they're they're overcoming and they're getting some guys some young guys that are stepping up into bigger roles and and succeeding right now so um, I'd say the last two weeks have been some better encouraging uh, direction for the team and, and I think uh, they're trying to build on that and, and Mike Brabel's teams one thing that, that we've been able to say pretty confidently about them over the last few years is that they close strong. Um, they closed strong in 2017 they closed strong or they closed strong in 2018 they closed strong last year and uh, this year they're obviously going to be looking to do the same and if they do they'll be uh, division champs.
0: Well, let's talk about that offense, man. I mean, it, it appears it's the three guys that that run this thing, and 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 Ryan Tannehill. Listen, Cleveland fans were were as ecstatic as they could possibly be heading into twenty nineteen, and were humbled so quickly by that that Week One game. But the, the the situation's even different, more different than that Week One game, in the fact that Tennessee now is a quarterback. So Ryan Tannehill, man, twenty three touchdowns, only four interceptions, completing sixty five percent of his passes, twenty six hundred yards, like. When when you guys brought him in, did did you see this coming, or has this just been like every single week he's been in Tennessee? This guy just keeps getting better and, and he's honestly, man, the top seven quarterback playing stats wise, performance wise, pro football focus wise, all those data metrics you want to look at in the league. So talk to me about his growth and where you guys kind of feel about him. If they need to rely on him to win a game, do you feel confident he can he can bring them to uh to the finish line?
1: Yeah, it's it's a pretty unique situation with Tannehill, right? I mean, you trade a fourth round pick for him, and and really, you know, the t- at the time it was viewed as, all right, they're flipping a the fourth round pick because Mariota can never stay healthy, right? The Mariota, one of the biggest knocks on him had always been his injury history and injury issues, and they'd be, they'd played backup quarterbacks for for three or they played backup quarterback for four straight years under Mariota, so clearly they were going to have to play their backup quarterback and they wanted to upgrade that position. They had Blaine Gabbert there before, and that was, you know, Blaine Gabbard's Blaine Gabbert. So they, they go and trade for him. The view was, Hey, they want a high end backup. They know that Mario is going to miss some games, but it was always, he was going to be the clear backup through camp. Honestly, Tannehill looked pretty good. And then preseason started and Tannehill really outplayed Mariota in preseason, but you know, everybody kind of looked at it and said, all right, well, that's preseason. You know, you can only read so much into that, everything like that. So season starts. Mariota has the one good game against the Browns, which, I mean, he didn't – frankly, he didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, he – Derrick Henry played really well in that game. The Titans' defense played really well in that game. Mariota was more of a passenger than, than a driver there. Um, and then the wheels kind of came off for him after that. They – he totally bombed the next two weeks, bounced back with one okay game and then flamed out the next two – They go to Tannehill, and the light switched on immediately for this offense. They were 26th in DVOA, uh, offensive DVOA, after Mariota played six games in uh, 2019. The rest of the way, Tannehill actually had them, if you just isolated weeks 7 through 17, they were the number one offense in DVOA last year after Tannehill took over. This year, they're number three. It's, It's to the point now, Tannehill's played enough games, it's not a fluke. Um, he was always a talented guy. I, I thought. I mean, he always had arm strength, accuracy. He's got enough mo- mobility. He's a smart guy, good leader. Does a lot for you. Some of the problems in Miami, he always took. He always took too many sacks. Wasn't very good under pressure. Um, you know, kind of that. Some of those little details of the quarterback position. That's why his team's always there. Were always seven and nine, eight and eight. You know, they were. They kind of hovered around mediocre. Um, but. Since he came here, he's got better offensive line protection, better weapons around him. He's got the running game and Derrick Henry, and they're letting him play off a of play action. I mean, that that is, you know, seventy percent of their passing game is essentially uh, play action. So they are going to allow him to turn around, to turn around, put the ball in Derrick Henry's belly, pull it out, and then fire it to AJ Brown or Corey Davis on crossing rounds typically, and that's that's their bread and butter of this offense now. Third downs, you drop him back, he can hurt you. He, The, the Titans are top 10 in the NFL in third down conversion percentage. So he's doing some good stuff for them there, keeping the chains moving. But they don't ask him to be Patrick Mahomes. They don't ask him to be you know, a superstar quarterback. They ask him to execute the offense, and he's extremely proficient at that. And one thing that he's really improved on, his sack numbers are the lowest there have ever been in his career this year. It was something that struggled. he struggled with my, in Miami. He struggled with it last year. I think it's been a clear focus of him this past offseason. He's looking for places to dump the ball and throw it away when pressure comes. Titans offensive line is very good. Uh, they're not great in, in pass protection, I don't think. But Tannehill's gotten better at managing the pocket, getting rid of the ball when he needs to. And that's helped him tremendously, I think, this year, kind of avoiding big negative plays.
0: Well, I think what Tannehill's doing where he's getting to the comfort in Arthur Smith's offense, right, like this is – I think – in the end game for the Browns would be that Baker gets to that level of comfort because these two offenses really mirror themselves in terms of the structure of how they want to do things. They want to be a run first team until they can't. And they want to be a a deceptive early down pass team when they feel like they can take advantage of things. Tannehill is super proficient at that. A plus athlete can get out and run on boot game stuff. And like you said, he has a live arm. He can make the throws and they do have two very good wide receivers. AJ Brown is a guy who who if Denzel Ward was playing as a guy who gives him fits, those big physical guys, not not people that Denzel typically matches up well with, we'll see how the Browns handle him with maybe a Kevin Johnson or or, or Terrence Mitchell. But listen, offensively, we're going to talk about the other guy that's that, that we haven't really mentioned yet, which is Derrick Henry, and 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 it's it's just it's funny to me, Mike, when I look at this man, it's like. These two offenses are almost identical. I think the Browns offensive line gets a lot more public love. Uh, I think Tennessee's offensive line should get more love because of what they're able to do, but they're they're so mirrored identical. It's 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 going to be a fun watch in that regard. So talk to me like like Derrick Henry. We talk in this in in there's this little fun jab that goes back and forth. It seems like sometimes when somebody neutral puts out the best running back in the league and Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, these guys go back and forth. It's fun, man. I think Derrick Henry's done it longer. He's more proven. And I think he's got the leg up right now, but Nick and and Kareem are chomping at the heels. So it's like we in Cleveland, let me put it this way. We think that, that Nick Chubb is able to overcome so many obstacles play to play. Like, there's only been four instances going into last week where the Browns had had an expected 10-yard game, but they'd had, between the two of their their running backs in the backfield, had 44 rushes of 10 or more yards. So we see it as the offensive line's very good, but they have two really special running backs who make things happen, make one guy miss, and create things downfield. Derrick Henry's obviously in the same mold how great has it been man and talk to me not just about who he is as a player but how great has it been to watch him over the last few years just close these seasons so so ridiculously I mean listen I own the guy in my fantasy league and I love it I'm nervous about this week because I get that torn feeling but like just talk (laughs) talk to us about what he does I want to see if your answer is pretty similar to how we feel about uh, about Nick Chubb here in Cleveland
1: yeah, absolutely, and I and I agree with you. I think Chubb, uh, Henry, and Dalvin Cook really are kind of the the three running backs in the NFL right now. You can you can quibble about the order of those three, uh, but those are the guys to me. And Henry, I think where you where you start most of the time is his his size, right? You know, he's six three, he's two fifty. Uh, you know, he runs really well. He's he's still got one of the top ten, I think, uh, ball carrier miles per hour uh, in the NFL this season on his ninety four yard touchdown against Houston. He is um, a physical specimen, but really the, I think the most special thing about him is the way he takes care of his body. And, and it is a year round thing. He, it, it is one thing to say NFL players work out a lot Yeah, Yes. All NFL players work out a lot. You're not there. If you're not, you know, working, working hard in the off season, but this guy takes it to a different level. And that is really the reason why down the stretch, he tends to punish teams. It happens over an NFL season. You're playing 16 games, full contact uh, you know, these guys are suffering multiple car wrecks, you know, a game basically, and then suiting it up the next week that wear and tear builds on, on bodies as the season goes on. And the Titans kind of, you know, and I'm sure you're familiar with it with the Browns too. They like to run that stretch zone play and they like to get people moving side to side. And as soon as you've got a backside defender or the backside defensive tackle doesn't quite get there, he's a slow, a step slow, closing that cutback lane, Derek Henry's going to p- stop on a dime, turn it upfield, and he's gone. And those cutback lanes, he's so good at reading them, he's become a, a, an expert in zone running. And you look at him and you don't think, oh, that's a zone runner. He, he just physically doesn't look like one, but he has become really, really good at reading those uh, bin-bang-bounce reads going through the zone The zone process you know, with that outside zone run, which is the Titans bread and butter. They build everything off of that offensively, be it play action, be it you know, the run game, everything is built off of that outside zone. And they, you know, do some inside zone. They throw in some counter stuff last week too. So they're buried in their run approach, but the outside zone is the basis. And Henry is so good at making you pay. If you're slow to the hole, he just, he gets up to speed and he'll run through arm tackles. You just, you have to be squared up to him to get him down. He's not, he's not going down on first contact. And that's the way I view Chubb too. I mean, I think this is going to be a fascinating game. Both teams, both defensive runs, need to bring their hard hats for this one, because you're going to be taking a sledgehammer all game long. And you know, whoever is able to stop the bleeding the most really is probably going to come away with this one. But yeah, Henry's a special, special dude. Uh, as the season wears on, he doesn't get tired. I mean, he, he, last year he was taking 30 carries a game down the stretch going into the playoffs. And he ended up with over 400 touches last year never slowed down, never showed any inclination of showing slowing down. Um, and he does, he never gets up slow. I mean, the guy's a cyborg. He, he, he just, he, he never seems to have anything bother him physically. It's, it's been unbelievable to watch him. Um, and he really kind of has blossomed over the last, uh, really under Mike Vrabel since Vrabel took over. Um, he he's turned into a hell of a running back and it's been fun to watch.
0: It's funny. A lot of the things you talk about there—bing, bang, bounce, course, things, stuff like that—it's all things we write about here. It's fun. It's fun that we mirror in terms of like what you're saying, how you guys view him, the things you're able to write about that guy week to week. It's uh, it's special, and you don't you don't always get that. Not every franchise is able to have that, and it's just kind of ironic hearing that. And it, it's just it's going to be such an interesting game because when you talk about you know you talk about Henry, you talk about Chubb. How these teams are going to stop each other because the defense is, in my opinion, Cleveland's defense is a lot of fool's gold. They've they've been playing from out in front of a lot of people and they've created a lot of turnovers. And I think it's pretty similar with what Tennessee has done. I think Tennessee's created 16 turnovers. Cleveland has created 17. Uh, it's a lot of bend but don't break is what they're trying to do. Browns have a ton of just... They just have a ton of average players across the board, guys who don't make anything over the expected level of play very often. Now, they do get back Miles, who's a game changer, and he's been on top of his game. How he comes back from the COVID list, we're, we're kind of eager to see how it's impacted him or if he had nothing going on and he was just waiting. Uh, and they're down their other only other impact player, Denzel Ward. And Ronnie Harrison was coming into his own. They just lost him, too. So it's an even bigger burden for Cleveland now. They do have Olivier Vernon playing really well up front lately. They obviously bring back Miles. The front of the defense is what's best. But the run defense for Cleveland, which ranks in the 10, 11, 12 range, it's not as good as you would think it is because the numbers don't equal to what they're they've been doing lately and certainly not what they've been dealing with in neutral situations. They get out in front so often that they're able to take advantage of playing in front, and making teams throw the football. And it looks like I'm just glancing. I haven't watched a ton of Titans film yet. Passing numbers, metrics are pretty low on the defensive side. I know, I think Adoree Jackson's out. I I think I'm I'm not up to date yeah. with some of these things. But like it seems like what happens with Tennessee, they play from in front a lot like Cleveland does. They they milk the clock, they run the football, they they get out early, they close the football game with the run game, which is a great formula. It's successful modern football. But there's also some holes in the defense. I don't think they pressure the quarterback a ton. I think their pressure rate's one of the lowest in the league. And and that's the only area of optimism for me with Brown's passing game is that Baker's a better quarterback when he has time, if he doesn't feel pressure. So here's my opinion, Mike. And you tell me, talk about the defense, what's going on with Tennessee. It's, it's the turnover battle, and this one's going to be key. The Titans have only turned it over four times all year, unless my eyes are deceiving me, which is maybe five. I think it's five. They're ridiculous. Five. They take yeah. care of the football so well. So if they can keep taking care of the football, play that defense, that's their formula to winning this game by far. So like, talk to me about what their defense looks like in neutral situations. Is it a defense you guys feel like you can trust, or is Vrabel and the gang kind of trying to just piece it together as they go?
1: You know, this defense has been a roller coaster for, for this year. You know, Coming back, it looked like they were set up to have a pretty good season. You had a lot of guys that had looked good at the end of last year that were playing good football. Kevin Byard, you know, was one of the best safeties in football coming into this year. Uh, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, an inside linebacker were playing well. Obviously, Jayon Brown is hurt now, and he was actually playing pretty good. But Evans and Byard have had really down years for them this year. It it just looks like they're hesitant. And I think a lot of it, they lost Dean Pease, who was their defensive coordinator uh, during the offseason. They didn't end up replacing him. They chose to kind of Brable is taking more input on the defensive side of the ball uh, and outside linebackers coach, Shane Bowen is the guy that's actually calling the defense. He's really re- relatively inexperienced guy. Never called plays before uh, at any level. So it, they, it's it been a little bit of a slow burn for the defense. Now I will say the last few games, they've started to look a lot better. Uh, I'd say the last four weeks have probably been their best four weeks of, of the season, Um, they, they shut down the bears, which I mean the bears are, are terrible on offense, but it was a step forward for them to shut, shut down a team defensively. Um, and they played okay against the Colts. The special teams kind of did them in there. And then the last two games against the Ravens. And then again, the, the return game against the Colts, they played pretty well. So I agree with you. The pressure is probably their biggest Achilles heel now. Um, they have had, they've been without a Dory Jackson, who's their top corner all year um he's been he had a knee injury that was suffered i think the friday before their first game of the season he w- went on IR he came he tried to come back reinjured the knee and has been out ever since so he is still yet to to suit up in 2020 for them which is is really tough i mean it, they've cycled through several other guys and the current guy uh opposite Malcolm Butler is Breon Borders who is a former undrafted free agent really was a practice squad guy for them early in the season, but he got elevated after they released Jonathan Joseph and borders, frankly has been really good, uh, over the last few weeks. He's, he's a physical guy. He's not a, a great speed guy, but against physical receivers, he can, he can get in there and bully them and, and, and play hard. He played well against Michael Pittman last week for the, uh, the Colts. Um, so he's, he's, he's showing some promise, but upfront is where the issues are. Um, They've got two good defensive tackles. Jeffrey Simmons is is playing borderline all pro level football. Um, he's a really good player, really strong, really just he, he's a beast in the middle of that defense. And then Daquan Jones is is always underrated. Um, he's really a run stuffer. He, he's just a kind of a big heavy body in the middle. Uh, but those two guys are tough. Those two guys are it makes it hard to run in the middle of the Titans defense. And they've actually got a guy right now that's a UDFA rookie, uh, named Tier Tart who is emerging uh, as kind of a difference maker on the inside too. So the defensive tackles are fine. It's on the edge where they're really struggling. Harold Landry's good. Um, he plays with incredible effort. He's got that speed rush. So against slower tackles, tackles that, that can't really get out and you know, quickly get to that corner. He's able to beat those kind of guys, but he he's just never developed that secondary move uh, since coming into the NFL. He doesn't have that inside counter, really. Uh, so they they do a lot with him. They drop him a lot. He's a really good athlete. He's a good player for them, but he's just not that dynamic pass rusher like a Miles Garrett uh, that can, can really devastate a, a passing game consistently. And then opposite him, it had been Jadavian Clowney, I don't, know that, I don't know if he's going to play or not this week. He's currently on IR. They could activate him. He is eligible to be activated, but there's no sign of that happening at this point. So the other guy opposite Landry is going to be either Derek Roberson or uh, Tuzar Skipper. Um, so some kind of, you know, the, the, Roberson was at UDFA last year. He flashed a little bit. He's an athletic guy. Um, he can get, you know like, – into the backfield some from time to time but he's not a consistent guy either so they just don't have that consistent edge pressure um and they haven't done as good a job dean p is was really able to mask a lot of that last year because they had similar personnel last year but they had 43 sacks and ranked i believe close to the top 10 in the nfl in sacks so it was a lot of simulated pressure and they did a better job of disguising blitzes um and they've started to tick back towards that the last few weeks. It's been Kenny Vaccaro. It's been uh, you know David Long, uh, one of the, the inside linebackers that's replacing Jayon Brown. It's been uh, Desmond King out of that slot corner spot. They, they bring a lot of different guys now um, trying to just really kind of generate that pressure because they're not getting it from their front four, just straight out rushing what's well,
0: gonna be fascinating because both defenses are pretty accustomed to seeing this similar type of offense. So there could be a little bit of a surprise, and I would I wouldn't feel all that crazy if if we saw a little bit more lower scoring than we're expecting. Just because those teams have only been exposed to so much football this year and when you see a majority of your camp time and your practice time, if you get some one run, is against a similar mold of offense. Nothing is all that surprising to you. The looks feel the same. So different levels of weaknesses on both defenses, how those offenses exploit them, it's going to probably dictate the outcome of this whole thing. So I'm fascinated by it. Listen, before we go, Mike, last question and the most important. All powder blues from your Titans this week,
1: where does that rank for you in their uniform combination? So I'd say that's probably... It's, it's a top-three look for me. I, I really like the all-whites that they went with last week. Uh, and then the light blue tops, navy blue bottoms. It's probably my number one. But this is this is up there. I like when they go into the light blue look. It gives them something different. Nobody else in the league is wearing those colors.
0: Listen, man, the Browns wore the all-white for the first time last week. And if they had the all-whites against the Powder Blues. We're talking two of the cleanest looks in the NFL. Aesthetically Indeed. very pleasing for the fans, too. But they might go with a surprise and rock the brown pants, or they sometimes will go with the orange pants, too. They'll surprise you a little bit there. So, listen, man, this was fun, Mike. I appreciate it, guys. Find Mike's work. It's on BroadwayMedia, SportsMedia.com. He's great. All things Titans. Not just Titans stuff, but all film Uh, You know, if you follow me for Film Study with the Browns, it's always good to follow other teams. You get some great insights. So it's Mike Herndon, and he's at Mike Miracles on Twitter. Mike, really appreciate your time, man. Have fun this weekend.
1: Absolutely. You too.
0: Big thanks to Mike for joining us, and a thank you to everybody for listening as well. Uh, This should be a fun game. Browns win this game, uh, find a way to. They go to 9-3, certainly secure themselves a really good chance at making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. If they can win one of these next two, they have – uh, they have, obviously, Baltimore in prime time the next week. They can find a way to win one of these two and win the two New York games coming up at the end of the year. They're they're on the path to making the playoffs. These are huge games, national media respect type of games. It'll be a, a leading CBS group, I think led by Ian Eagle, so we'll keep a close eye on, on everything leading up to this game and, and we'll certainly be there to cover it for you after the game in and, and one of the more important games in Cleveland Browns history. It's exciting. Uh, you should be excited and pumped for it. We're excited for it too. A reminder that we are doing um, OBR film breakdowns on a uh, specific sub- subscriber basis. So if you are a subscriber, you get those YouTube videos with the ability to join live. So we did a Baker Bayfield film room last night. You get the ability to join live, ask questions, have interaction, and get that video multiple days before. We'll put it on public YouTube Friday you will get an opportunity to have that and have the interaction opportunity that subscribers do we'll do the baker mayfield weekly and then we'll do a defensive one too so if you have questions about the defense we'll get john Stephenson, our guy involved and he will—he—he uh, he breaks it down as well as anybody from a defensive coordinator perspective. So that'll be really fun to uh, to get those rolling, too. And a great opportunity for subscribers to have content that is unique to the OBR before anything reaches the public, and especially the opportunity to interact and ask those insider questions that you guys love to ask. So join us at the OBR. we got great deals going on still. We just had a 75% off offer. That offer may come back in the future. We'll see if it does. I hope you can join us. I hope you read all the content that we have up there. Olivier Vernon stuff up this week about his exceptional play. Uh, we have every week a playoff preview, so we we look at who you should be rooting for for the week. We have our mock draft up every week; it's great stuff. Join us at the OBR. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, and give us a review on iTunes and Spotify wherever you get your podcasts. For this podcast specifically, uh, I hope you guys continue to join us on this pod. It's it's you know it's con- going through some changes. I'm always trying to you know get a fresh outlook on things and uh, have good perspectives, and hopefully you're enjoying it as well. So appreciate your uh, your, your your support. And I appreciate you guys uh, tuning and listening today. And make sure you stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, have a great week this week. We'll check back Sunday. Until then, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
1: Sick of being upsold at
0: gyms?